Hey, and welcome aboard to Everybody Ships Us. I'm Shelley Norfleet. I'm Bonnie Dolan. And we are best friends and roommates and that's it. We know everybody not so secretly ships us, which gave us a brilliant idea. We decided to date for one hour each week right here in our living room and see where it leads. And today's a very special date because we have a third wheel joining us. Her name is Jordan Broberg. She is a director, actor, and writer extraordinaire, and recently published a beautiful book of poetry called I Forgot My Parachute This Time. Honestly, we do not deserve to have her on our date today, but we are so excited she said yes to being here. Because what is dating if not, I don't know, unpacking the bullshit of society's expectations of art and how that weighs on your inner creative life and impacts the web of all your relationships? So much so that we had to split this episode up and save our game for part two. So stay tuned for that, and let's do this. We're not dating at all. Do we just want to keep talking about BTS? or We should <laughs> always talk about BTS. <laughs> they're probably the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. Let's I be agree. real. Yeah, they're sweeping the nation. They're sweeping all of the nations. All of the nations. All of the nations. Aren't they like the number one artist globally? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to blindly Unless say yes. Unless it's Justice Beaver. <laughs> but I'm going to say it's BTS. I watched their carpool karaoke and it was funny. Wait, they did do a carpool karaoke. What did I watch? They were on James Corden and I watched them on James Corden. And it was funny. Don't they look just effortless? They do. So fucking cool. And they're Goddamn. dancing. It's just. It's clear that they, they work really hard. Yeah. Yeah, they even got their own meal at McDonald's. What? The BTS meal. Oh, they do. You're right. I only know that because I was confused because (laughs) I didn't see any advertisements or anything for BTS, the band. It just said the BTS meal. And I was like, behind the scenes meal. (laughs) (laughs) Behind what scenes? (laughs) And then it connected those dots because they have lots of different brand deals with a bunch of different people. Right now, there's a Saweetie. Oh, what? <laughs> saying it right? So, yeah. Saweetie? Saweetie. Saweetie uh, She went meal. to USC, I believe. Did she? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's a rapper. And she has a meal at McDonald's, and it's chaotic. What is the concept of having a meal at McDonald's? I guess it's like you, what you, I'm putting air quotes for <laughs> <laughs> typically order. You can you can order what these artists typically order. Oh. But I highly doubt that that's, you know, the case for a lot of these meals. I'm sure they just go in and get a Big Mac if they get McDonald's. You at really all. think BTS eats McDonald's? <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> like enough to like have their own creative meal. At least as far as I can tell, the Saweetie one. I feel like it's so weird saying her name like that. So Saweetie. Saweetie. Is a Saweetie? <laughs> Or oh God, sweetie. I'm going to sound like a fucking I'm going I'm to look it up. Do you have a fact check? I'm going to look it up. It's Tell me you have a fact check. Well, the problem is it's like S-A-W. Saweetie. Sa- saweetie. But saweetie, yeah. Is it just Saweetie or is it Saweetie? Saweetie. Uh, okay. Give it, give it your best shot, Bon. It's three syllables. Saweetie. 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 Yeah. What the hell was I saying? I was saying Saweetie, like like the movie Saw. It's definitely Saw. Saw. Yeah. Saweetie. I do know that the upside down backwards E, that's the uh sound. Saw. Saweetie, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, Saweetie, who's definitely listening to our <laughs> podcast, so, so sorry. Anyway, her meal is chaotic. It's like putting, you put fries and then McNuggets on and then drizzle ketchup on it. Oh. There is a bottom bun, chicken nuggets, Stop. top bun, ketchup on top. Stop it. It's a sandwich? I don't... All these layers make a sandwich? I guess. Yeah, it's like a chicken nugget sandwich, but with ketchup on top of the bun. So what? you eat it with a fork and knife? I have no... I Literally, it just says I'm how sweet does it. I'm not getting my hands ketchup-y. No. No. It's, no. I don't know if this is actually like how you can order it or if they're just telling you because it says... Anything can be anything with a Saweetie meal. So so freedom. Freedom, yeah. So if you order a Saweetie meal, it's just whatever. (laughs) Whatever the employees (laughs) want to throw in the bag. Whatever they're feeling that day. Whatever James and the grill's feeling. Creative. Yeah, they're just like like jazz. Creativity. (laughs) McDonald's jazz. McDonald's jazz. (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by (laughs) McDonald's. This podcast is sponsored by Jazz. 
Mm. Do you like jazz? All right. Do you like jazz? Here's the sweet first B move me B move me first B movie <laughs> reference of the podcast. The B movie moved me. Why so. can't we say anything correctly? I don't know because it's freaking hot in here. Okay. Melting. The official sweetie meal is a Big Mac, four piece chicken McNugget, medium fries, and medium Sprite with sweetie and sour sauce. <laughs> And tangy barbecue. Sweetie and sour sauce is perfect. So it's really just nothing. It's just like ordering any other thing off of the menu, but I don't know why they chose to market it that you could fuck up the order of anything and it's a sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jordan, what would be your McDonald's meal? This is going to sound bananas. Okay. More so than the sweetie meal because. (laughs) Okay, okay, probably. (laughs) Probably not. That's pretty hard to top. Honestly, my meal would just be like three large French fries mm. shoved into an Oreo McFlurry. Okay. Whoa. Interesting. That's the Joe bro. I love it. <laughs> the Joe bro. That's the Joe. Not to be confused with the Jonas Brothers. No. 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 But you. But me. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, the Joe bro. Not the Joe bros. Exactly. The Joe bro. Just one singular. A single bro. But that's the meal. What about you, Bon? What would your um, McDonald's meal be? I don't know. I, I always find myself getting nuggets. I like the spicy nugs. Mm. Yeah. Those were those were a good time. Oh, you know what? My dad and I used to go get the shamrock shakes oh. every March. And so mm. it would ha- it would be like a shamrock shake and spicy nugs mm. just together, which makes no sense, but <laughs> both of those things are makes things perfect I like. sense. <laughs> yeah. Perfect sense. I think mine. It would be kind of similar to yours because I really only eat the nugs and the fries there. So I would get two large fries mm-hmm. and then a 20-piece regular spicy nug mix for chaos. Ooh. Just like Saweetie. And a bottle of water because that's the only drink I get. And there. you have to be blindfolded while you eat it Absolutely. so you don't know which nug you're going to No, pick. not a gosh darn clue. That's right. Utter chaos. <laughs> Would it would it come would it come with the blindfold? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little Mick blindfold, and there's the, the M, the arch <laughs> over, over your eyes. eyes. Yeah, it's perfect. It's pretty glamorous. I need this mask. McDonald's with the Mick blindfold. Get on this idea. It's perfect. Come on, Mickey D's. Sponsor us. Yeah, we'll partner with you. We'll make a Shelly meal mm-hmm. and a Bonnie meal and a Jordan meal. The, the Joe Bro. The, the Joe, Joe Bro. bro. Yeah. The Joe Bro, the B Doe, and the Shell No. <laughs> that's so good. The B Doe. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, hi, Jordan. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so having much the being best here. time. Just to, so you know, I'm having the best time. Great. Did you think you would walk into our living room and talk about McDonald's and BTS yes. for your first twenty minutes here? Yes. Yep. Uh, we actually discussed this ahead of time. We were, Did you? We kind of planned something, you know. Guys, you're not supposed to plan a podcast. I'm sorry. It's just riff and live in the moment. I'm just like nervous. Like jazz. Because I'm like third wheeling this date, so I wanted to be prepared. We haven't decided who's the third wheel technically. That's right. Oh, I see. I could be the third wheel here. I mean, you guys are kind of low-key in love with each other. Like, you guys, every time we hang out, it's like you two just want to, like, talk to each other. It's perfect. I love being the third wheel. What about you two? You guys have all this history, all this chemistry. I'm just, like, here trying to play catch up like I could be the third wheel mm. oh, this is interesting mm. and we obviously live together so there's yeah, a, I guess there's that third wheel there just three bisexual women in <laughs> a room, room together under one roof <laughs> what's gonna happen we're so happy you're here honestly Thanks. you are sort of a you're a headstrong person and you have like a definite presence but also you're very calming which is very nice we're chaotic we are that's <laughs> so funny because I I never thought of myself as a calming or centering individual until, like, much, much, much recently. Really? Yeah. I mean, you met me, Bonnie, at Long Beach, and I think I was just very go, 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 happy, happy, energy, energy, energy. But at the same time, I didn't feel like I was always necessarily, like, honoring myself because I'm I'm a big, big people pleaser. But I Same. Th- yeah. yeah Same. That, sh- that shit blows. It does. Um, but we're working on it. Therapy. 
We love it. Yeah, absolutely. Self-reflection. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not, but it could be. It could be. Call us BetterHelp. That is how I, you know, talk to my therapist. So. Me too. <laughs> Are we? There we go. So you two met at Cal State Long Beach. How long ago is that? Oh, my God. I went there starting in 2016, so it would have been the spring. Uh, yeah, the spring. spring of 2016, and it was the semester that I was leaving. Oh, really? So I got accepted into USC April 29th, 2016. I remember that day like yeah. yesterday, and I remember Bonnie and I were in the legendary. We, we have to mention her. Yes, <laughs> the legendary Alexandra Billings's movement class. It was weird because it was like I was saying goodbye to Bonnie as I was just kind of starting to get to know her. We never hung out outside of class. I was very, I was very um, to myself at that time. I was going through a rough, a rough period because I, I was transferring out of Long Beach. I didn't feel like it was the school for me, but I remember Bonnie's work in Alex's class. And I remember being like, oh, this, this girl's fucking got it. And I always wanted to, to reach out, but, you know, just my own ego and just, you know, feeling like I just couldn't. And so I never did. But so then I ended up going to USC and then you stayed for, I think, another year. Yeah, well, perhaps. I graduated from there. So I was, that was my first semester. I went there for two years. Okay, gotcha. And then we didn't really reconnect until I actually had a, uh, a procedure done the fall of 2018 and Bonnie was in the area and I, I don't even know how it happened. I think we might've messaged each other probably and I had DMs. We love DMs. <laughs> I think I probably slid into yours to be honest. Ooh, saucy. I <laughs> but I was, I think we just ended up meeting and it was so invigorating. We met up and like, we had never had a conversation with one another for probably more than like 10 minutes at school. Right. And we hung out for five hours and we sipped our chai lattes at the Gypsy Den. Shout out Costa Mesa Gypsy Den. <laughs> I left just feeling so like, not just emotionally, but like artistically invigorated because we just had so much in common. And then of course I was like beating myself up. Like, why didn't you spend more time with her at school? And like, you, <laughs> no. you, you dumb idiot, you know, you, you're, you totally you know, vibe. <laughs> we do. We vibe. But first of all, I want to say that it's it wasn't just you that was keeping to yourself when we were at school. It was my first semester there, and I'm very slow to open up with new people, especially when I'm the only person I know in a situation with a ton of people. Right. I don't, I don't sort of like grab the bull by the horns and like announce myself to people, <laughs> you know? So you're not like, I'm here, bitches. That's right. Oh, weird. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a smooth jazz player. <laughs> jazz? I should never have I brought won't. it up. I won't stop ever. <laughs> I I I'm very slow to open up. So we were sort of overlapping at the school at the at a time where we both were not opening up very yes, much. But yes. we did we had several conversations where we sort of you know, professed our artistic love for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that was enough of a foundation for in 2018 when we both had free time and downtime, mm -hmm. we were like, let's meet up. And you're right. It was such an invigorating conversation. You're one of my favorite people to talk to about art and creativity, really anything, <laughs> but especially creativity oh. because our work ethic and work sensibility, creative sensibility are, they're aligned. And so when we talk, it always gives me so many ideas for my own stuff. Yeah. Even when we're just talking about your stuff, I'm like, yeah, I, I could take that and I could do it here. And so it, it really just connects all those dots for me. It's like looking at a night sky with you and we're seeing constellations in, in regular stars. Are you a poet, Bonnie? I am, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I know. As are you. That was really beautiful. <laughs> no one's ever described a conversation with me in that, in that way. But it's something that I love about you, and I think something that drew me to you was in your work at Long Beach. Like, there was just something about, like, I just knew that you didn't make excuses. When you want to make something, you'll find a way and make it. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I see, and I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but you know, I think 
at that point, I had a lot of ego happening at that time, and I've worked really hard on myself to deconstruct it. But where I was at in my in my life was all these people are saying that they want to do this and this and this and this, but only if they had this and this and this. And I think I've just really like firmly believed now at this point in my life that you don't need anyone's permission to make art, you know? And I think that's what's like propelled me forward in the certain things that I've done. It's just, it's, it's so nice to have a mutual understanding of like respecting yourselves and respecting the work, which is something that I felt like at that point in my life was lacking. And so I was like, how, how do I get it? Aha, I'll transfer. And that's a whole, a whole other thing, but. Isn't it so inspiring to talk to her? Absolutely. Oh my God. I'm like, I was sitting here like, I am uh, one of three podcasters in this room. I should be saying words, but I just want to listen to you. Oh, my God. I feel like I just blabbed for like 10 fucking minutes. No, but did you find what you were looking for when you transferred? Did you find the community? Did you find the artists that were more in tune with your sensibility? I did. And I feel very, very lucky for that. It's amazing. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't, (laughs) I applied to USC. I'm going to say as a joke, but I didn't take the process as a joke. I just, I did it with my full 120% and was like, this isn't going to fucking happen. Mm -hmm. Right. I applied to all the UCs for their drama program. And I got denied from every UC on my 25th birthday. (laughs) God. And I remember being like, well, <clears throat> it's over for me, you know? Oh, man. And then a few days later, I got a red and gold package at my door and just like, it, you know, your life isn't, ba- you know, based on the school you go to. I know that there's so much more to that. But for me, because I felt like I was at such a low point because of my environment, it was like, boom. This was my this was my way out of not only the physical space, but that mental space that I was in at that point in my life. Yeah. And so going to USC, I mean, let's be honest, USC has a lot of money and we know (laughs) that not um, not all schools have that. But because of that, there were more opportunities to do my own work, Um, got to direct things on my own. Mm -hmm. And I know that in order to have directed something at our transfer school, you had to have taken a class and there's just, you know, there was a lot of of hoops to jump through. And I'm not saying that that's not important because you don't want anyone just going up and (laughs) directing something, you know, you should have training and experience. I mean, yeah, but but also training and experience. Sometimes you just throw yourself into the deep end and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, training and experience does not necessarily make a good director. Right. Putting up barriers between people who want to do something, but aren't, you know, qualified to do something, I think, especially in a creative field, it's sometimes detrimental. That's going to cost, you know, money. That's going to cost time. time. And that's sometimes the privilege that people don't have. Right. To your point, there are so many different paths to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Jordan, you went to USC. You ended up graduating USC. Mm-hmm. I graduated Cal State Long Beach. You graduated IVC, which is a two-year college. You, I actually didn't graduate. Oh, you didn't IVC. graduate. Yeah. But you went to IVC. You have not had director's training, Shelley. No. You have had a lot of experience, but but in school, yes, with directing. I got more training and experience, a combination at Long Beach. And yet we're all working directors yeah. and we're yep. all doing the thing. <laughs> yep. And we're all good at it. Yeah. So I think it's it's important for us to say that like no matter where you go, it's about your community. It's about the people around you that are helping you move through the world. Yeah. And it's about I guess taking chances on, you know, yourself and your work, because I can sit here and talk about how I don't think that college was the best choice for me all I want. But you took a chance, you know, going, applying to USC and then going through with the program. You took a chance going to Cal State Long Beach and pursuing these dreams. It's just about believing in yourself and and taking chances. And that's whatever that looks like to you. There is no right way to do anything these days. Mm -hmm. 
Nobody knows what they're doing. No, I have no idea what I'm doing. What they're doing, and that's the weirdest thing. I was talking to my therapist about this uh, on Tuesday. That like it's so weird going into the world and assuming that people at some point know what's going on. They they've figured it out. They are adults. They understand how things work. And then now coming into the adult world and interacting with people who I would have previously assumed were like so knowledgeable, so professional, and they have no fucking idea what's going on. The fact that teachers <laughs> are now our age. <laughs> yeah. No. We're all just human beings on a spinning rock. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so it's comforting, but also really weird deconstructing this whole idea I had of the world. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I watched Hamilton last night, and I'd seen it before. I was very lucky to see it a few years back in the theaters. Amazing. But I watched it last night on Disney+, and wait for it, the song that Aaron Burr, so God, Leslie Odom Jr. is just mm. unbelievable. But This podcast is sponsored by Leslie Odom Jr. Yes. We fucking love you. Yes, we do. Specifically his voice. <laughs> There's a line in that that just, like, hit me differently last night when he says, Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes, it takes, and it takes. I was just like, right, you said, like, we're all on a spinning rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that also really, like, motivates me to make art because there you, you kind of have to have a fuck it approach, but you also have to have just enough ego to know that you have something important to say. And I found it so comforting last night hearing that song. All he does is wait. and But he's singing about something that should want to propel him forward. You know, we are all going to die. So you might as well say <laughs> fuck it. Right. Yeah. I've been trying to live that way more. And that's like why I wrote something and, and shared it with the world. Because one of my like greatest fears is, you know, hopefully I live to 80. But, you know, being 80 and just being on my bed and just being like, fuck, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. That shit, that eats me up at night. It really does. Yeah, you don't want to leave this rock having regrets. No, of course right. not. We got to make jazz when it counts. Stop with the jazz. I <laughs> you swear did to God, this. I am going to shorten your time on this rock. That's what I'm going to do. Are you? Are those, you, those Shelly? Are fighting words. You, Come over here and shorten my time on this rock. You're so far. <laughs> And it's like too it's hot. hot. <laughs> yeah. We're tired. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Excuses, excuses. Social distancing. You know, yeah. Uh huh. Can't really get vaccinated, kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Please. That's right. Lengthen Please, your uh, time on this rock. Get vaccinated. <laughs> Except I'm getting my rock time shortened. Well, yeah. But all of you should have yours lengthened. Yeah, everyone but Bonnie. Lengthen your time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. That's one of Shelly's favorite songs from that musical. Not to get too sad. Um, I really connected with, with the musical when I first heard it. And then shortly after, my my grandma passed away, and she was my favorite person on the planet. Mm -hmm. And when I found out for about three hours I couldn't move, I couldn't talk, all I could do was listen to Wait For It on repeat. To this day, when I hear it, I think of my grandma. That was really difficult. That was a really difficult time for me. I think it was the first time I had ever lost anybody close to me. I didn't see my grandma every day. She lived in Palm Springs. So it it felt weird knowing that I'm never going to see her again, but also that it it doesn't feel very different because I wouldn't currently be seeing her. She I, it, In my mind, she was still off in Palm Springs, mm -hmm. but also she wasn't. And it was, it was just so weird. So it was such a hard time for me to process everything, and, and I take a long time to process anyway. So uh, with this, I mean, it took me years to recover, but that one day wait for it, helped me get through the day. And so it's it's a very special song for me. I just got to say, to all of the Hamilton haters out there, you've clearly never seen the show. <laughs> yeah, you've clearly, never. You've never seen it. You don't know what you're talking no. about. I just want to hate on something that other people like. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't care about the subject matter, or, you know, you have justified criticisms of the Founding Fathers. Yeah. But you listen to the lyrics, and you listen to the words, and you, you think about the fact that somebody wrote this. Somebody wrote these words. I think words. it took him six years. Yeah. I think it took Lynn six years to do it. it. It's That's the most powerful part for me, is, is not what it's about, but it's it's how it came about and, and 
the product that yeah. it is. Expert level craftsmanship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Holy shit. Okay, here's a question for you. Yes. If Hamilton is like an example of something so great that like if your friend made that, you'd be like in awe of your friend, right? Mm-hmm. What if your friend made the opposite of Hamilton? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thought they were making Hamilton? But thought but they were <laughs> making Hamilton. And you had to go see it. What would you say to that friend? Like, how would you... <laughs> would the friend ask me? Yeah. Your friend invited you to their Broadway show. What'd you think? What did you think? <laughs> how do you answer that question? Are you a person who is more likely to be polite in that moment? Are you a person who's more likely to be truthful? Where do you fall on that sort of spectrum? I definitely, first of all, love this question. (laughs) And something that I've been thinking about recently was when I was at school, specifically USC, something that I always tried to maintain about myself was, I don't want to say just being positive, but there were so many students that put up work on their backs And faculty and other students were just so quick, so quick to criticize. Mm. And criticism is important. Good criticism is important. Yeah. But they're so eager to to tear it down. And as a, you know, I'm a sensitive soul, but I know to be in this business, you have to have some fucking thick skin. But I always tried to always talk about what I liked, to always talk, you know, appreciating the risk because, oh my God, so much risk whenever you do anything creative. It could be any any yeah. field, you know, show someone a painting, you, you know, show someone a film you did, you know, just sing, sing someone a song you've been practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the people, including faculty, who are so quick to just say everything that they hated about it, are either jealous or afraid. And I yeah. I mean that with with every bone in my body. And so if if a friend, you know, <laughs> made the I'm trying to think of the opposite of Hamilton, I something know. that just fucking bomb. <laughs> What's the opposite of <laughs> Hamilton? Thumbtanic. Thumbtanic. <laughs> no, because that's equally brilliant. It is. It well, is. that's the thing though. It's like, you know, this is going to sound so crass, but, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them. Yeah. yeah. You know, but so I would I would definitely make sure to show what I appreciate, be very clear about it, and then ask if, if, if they are open to criticism. Some people don't want to hear it, but I would, you know, if I'm close enough with that person, I think they would ask. And I would make sure to be extremely respectful and then... Ask them how that made them feel. Did I did I articulate myself well? Did you find that helpful? Okay, if not, let me figure out a different way to reword it to make it helpful for yeah. you. Because creativity is just, it's so fragile. And yeah, like I said, anyone who wants to just actively tear someone down for doing something that takes a lot of courage, I think is just extremely, um, extremely afraid. Bam. Yeah. Oh my God, that was... I'm I'm just going to be fangirling over every answer that you give. But I agree. I mean, as a creative person, it feels like people don't want you to go into a creative field from like a young age. That's everybody's questioning that. And then as you create, you people are either, you know, jealous that you're creating something because they are also creative or they don't understand it. Creative people hear enough negative negativity. So as a friend, I feel like you kind of want to be a supportive person but (laughs) right I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something in my own life well okay so you came to see something I did I can't remember what you came to see but you came to see something I'm sure and afterwards you said let's go to coffee Mm -hmm. and then we can talk about it Mm -hmm. And I was like, great. That sounds so daunting. I said it like, well, I was like, was it terrible? (laughs) But then when we went to coffee, you first of all told me of everything that you liked about it and then asked me questions that were actually like pointing to the things that I couldn't do, the things that I knew were problems with the production. Like you asked me questions about those things. And through that, we were able to talk out some of the issues that I even had with it. So I think that sort of approach was really good 
for the thing that I made because I knew it wasn't perfect. You could see that it wasn't perfect, but you were also very kind. God, but nothing. That's the thing though. It's like nothing ever is. And you know, no. when you direct a play, you're going to be redirecting it for the rest of your life. Oh, of course. You, you know, you're like, oh, I uh, made that wrong choice. Uh, I would do this now. And so yeah, I think- Yeah, you only have six weeks to make a thing, right? And so- Yeah. And I'm really trying to honor process over product. I think mm-hmm. we can be very, very precious with, you know, I'm not showing the world until it's, you know, until it's, until it's done. But at the same time, you will never get anything out there. God, you know how many times I looked at my book and was like, nope, <laughs> delete, delete, cut, delete. And then there was just a point where I was like, no, 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 because you could edit until your deathbed. And that's what separates, you know, the sheep from the lions. The lions put their work out there. (laughs) Yeah. The sheep don't. Yeah. The sheep just kind of criticize and tear it down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because there were people in my life that I thought were lions and turned out being sheep. And I've I've been a sheep. I can totally admit it. But I think, yeah, it just comes with getting older and just not making excuses for yourself and seeing people that I admire and being like, I need to be more like that. Mm. What do I need to do to achieve what I want? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Seriously. I'm curious, because we're talking about having the, the guts and the strength to like pursue something that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, and not wanting to make excuses for yourself, but also, you know, there are times when you just can't create, you know, especially people dealing with mental health issues. I know that I've suffered from it for a good amount of time is just wanting to create, not feeling like you can or not feeling like you have the energy and then also feeling so bad and so guilty that you can't even do this thing that you love so much so that you kind of resent it. It does feel a little bit like making excuses. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it, it also feels impossible at the same time. So I'm not sure, you know, where that falls on the spectrum of like lion versus sheep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great question. It was my senior year at school at USC. And I was in a play called Tongues and Savage Love by Sam Shepard. And we had an incredible director. Her name was Sarah Hom. And the, the, the piece was extremely emotional, and it brought up a lot of shit for me. Oh, so much shit that I couldn't memorize my lines. And that had never, never happened to me before. I was always the first actor off book on the first day of rehearsal and coming <laughs> in gung-ho, you know, all, yeah. all that shit, which was a lot of projecting because I was very insecure at school, which— People are probably shocked if they hear this, me saying that, because I appeared very confident, but I I had a lot of baggage. And so in that process, when I was having something really emotional happening to me and really could not find the means to memorize my lines, that was, that was a low for me because it was like, okay, I'm, I believe that I was only worth my, the products I put out. My director was very, very kind to me during that process. We had a very trusting relationship. And so I shared with her, you know, this is bringing up this for me. And this is something I've never dealt with before. And I I thought I've worked through this, but I haven't. And so I don't think that that makes you a sheep. I think if you pretend that it's not happening and you're just like, nope, I think that's that's more difficult because then you're really not even acknowledging. And I think if you you know that your life as an artist is going to be an emotional one, you can take baby steps. You have to just at least take baby steps day by day. It doesn't mean, you know, I got to write 10 pages today. It's like, oh, maybe I can do some yoga. How do I take care of my, how do I take care of myself? I think is really important in that process when you are feeling like, okay, I can't produce X, Y, Z, and I love it so much, but I'm just not there. It's like, okay, rewiring your brain and focusing, okay, how can I get there? It takes work and it's hard, but I definitely, you know, there's there's exceptions to all of the rules. Yeah. But then when you work on that healing and talking about it, that just... It sounds so tacky, but it makes your art, I don't want to say better, but it just makes it more full because you're you're giving more of yourself 
in a way that you never have before. Yeah, you're saying yes to yourself. Yes. You're just accepting yourself as you stand there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't start doing that until <laughs> 25, mm-hmm. truly. When you're in that place, though, when you're in that place of being sluggish and slow to to be creative and to do all the things that you love, it can be really hard to look around at your friends who are doing so well. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I, <laughs> I haven't mastered this because there are times where I'm not creating at all. And I'm genuinely happy for my friends who are able to do that and are achieving great things. But then there are times where I'm like, I just can't look at it. I can't look at you achieving these things because I feel shitty about myself right Mm -hmm. now. How do you, how do you (laughs) stay in relationship with people who are doing well when you're doing so shitty? It's a great question. Yeah. I I don't think I've found the answer to that because I still, I mean, I am happy for people. I am happy for all of my friends for for succeeding. And I surrounded myself with creative people. So, I mean, I chose this because I... I, Because it's your calling. Exactly. It's your calling. But I also, you know, I do get jealous, like even just like a twinge of it, just seeing people doing their best work or even not their best work and just doing things when I can't, or even when I am, but I'm just like not feeling like it's going fast enough. I I haven't figured that out yet. So I love (laughs) some insight. Oh, (laughs) if anybody has it. God, I do. I do have insight. I have not mastered it. Disclaimer, Mm -hmm. but something, something that really helps me with jealousy is acknowledging it, knowing that everybody has it, also acknowledging that social media is a highlight reel. Yeah. Mm, There's yeah. a lot of stuff that we don't see from the people that we see producing. We don't see the failures unless you're extremely brave and open up about your failures, which I really respect. There's an artist named Hannah C. Langley, who is a playwriting major at USC, and she posts her rejection letters from plays that she submits to things. Oh, wow. And it's so brave. Wow. And that that is just so admirable to me. She just posts another rejection. Keep going. And, you know, so unless you're one of those heroes, which I'm not there, I'm not there yet. That would make me yet. feel so much better yeah. just to Follow see her. other people yes. doing poorly sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we all do. <laughs> we all, we all, literally do. all do poorly and we all succeed at different times. Yep. They don't always match up with how we're feeling either. Yeah. And it's also really strange to think about other people viewing you and viewing your work and probably feeling the same way when you feel so stunted. Mm -hmm. Like you, Bonnie, were talking about having coffee with somebody who was like pointing out all of your achievements over the past year. Yeah. When that's not how it felt to you. Not at all. And it's just so strange to one, feel that way about somebody else, knowing that if somebody felt that way about you, you would feel really false. Yes. And two, feeling really false when somebody does feel that way about you. It's very strange. I had someone tell me this just the other day. I was, I was, you know, sulking. I was like, oh God, you know, it's been like a whole year. I haven't fucking been productive. Just like all this stuff. And she just like, and she's like one of my best friends on the planet. And she was like, you, you did this and this and this and this. And I was like, God, but I'm not even thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a hard one. And you know what? It's something that we're going to navigate for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And so it's just, I think, something to accept. Honor your rage. Honor your jealousy. Mm -hmm. But don't don't let it, you know, be a detriment to you. Just, you know, very, very human things to feel. Right. Because it it is only hurting you. Exactly. It's not. It's not affecting anybody else except how you feel about yourself. Saying yes to it is hard, but you're so right. It's so necessary. Well, because it's about authenticity, right? And I had a many, many, many moments in my life where I could have been so much more authentic if I honored certain parts of myself and had more. And that, and that trickles down to more authentic relationships, friendships, not even just to my work. You know, going back to people-pleasing— I never showed rage to someone. And so when it finally happened to me, I have a little story. Okay. Love it. I'm going to use different names because, I mean, it was high school, but I don't give a fuck. I'm 25. (laughs) You know, I was 
nominated for homecoming court. And it was Ooh, a very wow. It was a very big deal at my school. Uh-huh. And we had, you know, we did homecoming on the football field and you know the you drove your golf cart around the track. We had that at my high school too. They did the same thing with the oh, golf I bet. carts. I bet, yep, big thing. And I remember I was very and I don't mean this in any egotistical way. I was very popular in high school, but a big part of that was having that people-pleasing mentality. Yeah. But also being friends with everyone. Nobody was off the table. I talked to the people in band, the people in journalism, like jocks, <laughs> you name it. And so I was nominated for court. I was really excited because that would mean that I would get my autistic brother, Jason, to escort me because it's very traditional. You had all the dads escort the daughters. And I was like, I would love to see my brother in a tuxedo. And I told one of my best friends at the time um, that that would be really exciting. And then I got on court and then, you know, homecoming. Well, it was like the week where people were voting and there was this girl. We're going to call her Sarah. She was also nominated and she was the student body president. She was very popular, and she seemed very, very nice to me. Then I heard her going around telling people, and I'm quoting this, she was telling people that I was using my retarded brother for pity votes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And as a, as a 17-year-old, what? I was fucking furious. Oh, no my one's ever, God. Like, you fucking disrespect me all you want. People can make fun of me for anything, but do not. Oh. Do not bring my family into it. No. And it was the first time where I just like, woo. And so I was like, you know what, Jordan, just wait, wait till you win. Wait till you win. And I won. <laughs> I won. And I remember pulling up and it was so, it was such a beautiful moment because I was, I was so sad by the things that she was telling people. And then because I drove the golf cart because my brother cannot and I drove it up and people started chanting my name and it was it was out of body. It was really out of body. And then, you know, I went up on the field and they announced that I had won. And I remember (laughs) the next day, like our next day back at school, we had a, a nutrition break. And I remember we all were hanging out with our friends and I saw Sarah and I said, I need to talk to you. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what all the friends around us were doing. Uh-huh. And I pulled her aside and I didn't I didn't call her names. I didn't but I I was raging. Yes. And I just said, "I want you to know that I know what you said about Jason and you should feel ashamed of yourself." Oh shit. Fuck yeah. And she started sobbing. Oh. Sobbed like a little bitch. Let me tell you. <laughs> She's like, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't mean to? You know. Oh but so t- I tell that story because that was the first time I felt rage. I didn't really rage the way I wanted to, but it was the closest I had ever been to communicating that to someone. Yeah. And now you know more and more as I've gotten older, it's like, okay, let's. You you can be angry, Jordan. You can be angry. Yeah. God, it was it was a fucking foreign concept to me to allow that part of myself to be seen. And the more that I've shown it within reason and expressed boundaries, because I didn't even know boundaries could exist with friends until like two years ago, maybe, yeah. when, I, when I started establishing that vocabulary yes. and not just letting people stomp all over me and use me. My God, my life has changed. Yes. My life has changed. And I love, I love that I'm allowed to be angry. I do. I'm connecting so much with what you're saying right now. (laughs) This is like a theme of my life. My therapist and I are just now starting to talk about how I don't allow myself to show anger. I allow myself to feel it. Yes. But then I feel it by myself and I let it dissipate. And then I have a calm conversation, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people would say is a very healthy thing to do. And it really is. It is a healthy thing to digest your own feelings and then come at a a conversation where you're actively looking toward a solution. Yes. But I do this to my own detriment. I don't allow other people to see when I'm frustrated or when their actions cause me harm. And then they don't know how to treat me because I'm not showing them how to treat me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I do the, I do the same thing. I, except for, I can't process anything in the moment ever. Mm -hmm. So I just make a joke about it 
and I'll or I'll like kind of laugh it off and then stew <laughs> for so long. And I will almost never, I mean, I'm I'm also working on it now. So I'm speaking in the present tense, but this is more past tense. I, w- I would just never talk about it. I would just push it down. And I don't know if you know anything about the, the you know, the human experience, but pushing things down. Mm, do they blow up? Mm, they sometimes <laughs> blow up. Sometimes. <laughs> and you feel That's all cute. of your feelings at once. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm currently in the process of trying to process things as they happen, or at the very least, bringing them up after the fact. It's just hard. But that's, that's, that's good, though. Even that's an example of honoring yourself. Even bringing it up after the fact is still very courageous. Even if it doesn't come out the way you rehearse it in your head, it still takes a lot. There are so many. Oh, my God. I need some tea because I. <laughs> there are so many people older than me. And you know, it doesn't even matter that have not learned how to have a conversation with someone. Even if it doesn't come out the way you want it to, there are people who would rather not fucking talk to you about it. And in a way, I think that's a form of manipulation because they're making you think that you fucked up and I'm not even going to talk to you because of of how badly Mm. you fucked up. That's right. Yeah. And that, whoo, I have a lot of pet peeves. But my number one is someone just not talking to me when I clearly know they're upset. Yeah. It is a form of gaslighting. Yes, it is. It is manipulative. I had a friend that I knew for 13 years. One day, never texted me back. Never texted me back. Went to her house, brought her flowers. Never never talked to her again. 13 years and she ghosted you? 13 years. That's absolutely fucked up. And I spent so much time. God, I'm such a terrible person. I'm such a piece of shit. How could someone that I thought loved me for so long and we were so close, we were like sisters, do this to me? I spent, but, you know, I I know that I needed to go through that to come out on the other side to be like that. Someone who does that says everything about them, Mm -hmm. everything about them. And then I, I started to approach my thoughts about that person with more compassion And I wrote about them with compassion because they clearly are not a full person yet. And that's going to take some time. But I know that it's okay for me with boundaries to only surround myself with people who I know can at least have a conversation with me Mm -hmm. and won't fucking abandon me. Yeah. You know, for in my mind, no fucking reason. And especially when I'll even express I'm sorry I hurt you because clearly I did. <laughs> I'm not a fucking idiot, you know. Please tell me what I did so I can at least know, work on myself, and move on. And then I still haven't gotten responses even from being so honest and so kind. That is, I think, the hardest thing for me to deal with, but I have to just keep <laughs> reminding myself that those people weren't meant to be in my life anyway. These are people I thought would be at my wedding. Ugh, God, that fucking sucks. Yeah. That's such an important thing that you said, though, about, I mean, I'm boiling it down to what it is, that you love yourself enough to know that because they chose that route, I mean, of course, you had to work through the the feelings of self-doubt that obviously that that would put on you. But you love yourself enough to know that their actions are not caused by your behavior. They're caused by their own psychology and their own behavior. Mm-hmm. And has nothing to do with you. And that's, that's, so, that's so well said, Bonnie. And something else that at least where, you know, where I'm at in my life now, I'm, I'm so different than I even was six months ago. I got a text message from one of these people who I hadn't spoken to in probably over two years. And they were like, hey, I heard that you were upset. And if you want to talk about it, let me know. And my gut was like, okay, I have to meet up with this person. And and I I need closure. I need closure, right? Because my brain is like, this will make me feel better. I'll know what I did. Mm -hmm. But I decided not to. And I said, you know what? And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I already grieved you. 
Mm-hmm. I already grieve yeah. losing you, you know, and have accepted that you're not in my life and have worked through that. And now you're going to text me this, what I've communicated as extremely just casual message. No, you, do, you don't get to have me in your life. And that took a lot of work. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I almost met up with this person and I was like, you know what? I don't want to. And that's okay. <laughs> oh my God. And that's okay. Yeah. It is okay. You were a part of, you were a really great part of my life for how many years? And I'm different now. I'm, I'm looking for new things. I'm looking for fuller relationships. I don't have to fucking repair everything. Yeah, it's the and that's okay that is always so difficult. Yes. Because you have these instincts, you know, you know that you don't want that kind of person in your life or, you know, for thinking this way, you're not an asshole. But like you, you spiral so much, you think about it so much that you lose the and that's okay. (laughs) That's it. That has that can be the end of the sentence. I don't want to period. I'm just I'm so glad that I'm now getting to that point where I can just not want to do something and that be fucking fine. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's jazz, baby. Oh my ah! god, we're back to jazz. <laughs> we're always back to jazz. Jazz is always a part of the conversation. I feel like we need to uh, take a quick break before Bonnie talks more about jazz. <laughs> mm, I'm going to talk about jazz the entire break. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> we're not dating at all. Thanks for listening to Everybody Ships Us. This podcast is executive produced by Schmangy Incorporated and is hosted, produced, and edited by Shelley Norfleet and Bonnie Dolan, with help from our production assistant, Brianna Chapelier. Our theme song was written by Bonnie Dolan and arranged by Andrew Carter, who also does our mixing and mastering. Our cover art was shot by Cynthia Price and designed by Shelley Norfleet. To get into contact with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Everybody Ships Us, and on Twitter at Ships Us Pod. Or you can email us at everybodyshipsus at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, make sure to follow or subscribe on your preferred podcast listening app.